Hallelujah. And in spite of technical uh, challenges, we are live here at Astounding Love Global Church Fellowship on Wednesday night, where this is Kingdom Conversations, which we have supernatural and prophetic encounters, or depending on your point of view, prophetic and supernatural encounters with the Word of God. We're live at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California, and I am Pastor Lindsay Lee, and this is Astounding Love Church or Global Church Fellowship. We're going to open up in prayer. We're going to have some, I think, touchy kind of conversation tonight, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And in between, we'll do little commercial messages, and I'm not going to promise you a comedy spot, but a lot of the stuff that I think that the Holy Spirit has to say, it does get very comical for us. And we look forward to the freedoms and the breakthroughs. Somewhere during the course of the program, there's also someone that I would like to pray for, or there's a few people I probably want to pray for, but one in particular that I've been carrying in my heart today. So if you are watching us and you happen to have prayer requests or something that touches your heart, I want you to simply reach out and ask the Lord, hey, can she touch my situation too? Or you, you join in with us in prayer. This, not this particular prayer, but when we continue on. Father, I thank you. We've been talking to you. You're talking to us. And I thank you that our ears are inclined to hear the voice of the Spirit of the living God. And I thank you that you definitely are always talking and you have something to say to us. We that are of the house known as Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship, of the ministry known as More Than Enough Ministries, we're listening for you because you do great and marvelous things in our midst and you have desires that you want fulfilled through us and i pray that we become in completion a people that is dedicated to ensuring that the will of the lord is made known and that our hearts turn toward you with such fervency that we're always seeking, not only seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, but as Yeshua Jesus, who is the head of us, as he has always said, because it pleases the Father. Let that be a resonating sound in our lives, fellowshipping with you, Holy Spirit, to be able to walk in a way that is always pleasing to the Father. I think that that is a very, truly, it is a victorious statement to have to imagine having you say they always live to please me i want that as my part of my testimony and so i praise you and thank you for the apostle of this house apostle baker i thank you for the ministers for the members for the leaders in training i thank you for those that are in california those that are in new york those that are in um missouri okay or wherever it is across the United States of America that they happen to be. They're in Washington, D.C., they're in Texas, they're in Oklahoma. They're all over the place. We are all over the place. But you are everywhere, all at once. And so we thank you as we even release prayers over our nation today. We thank you for the men and women, the boys and girls that are, uh, will walk out of the confusions of the world and walk into the clarity of the kingdom. I praise you and thank you for the body of Yeshua that we keep hearing you and getting free of the shackles of traditions of men and walk in the gloriousness of your word. And I do release these prayers of wholeness and healing and restoration 
that I release the life of God and the love of God into all who come under the sound of your voice speaking through me. I thank you for the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers that are connected to this ministry, the new friends that we have in the, ex, um, the expansion of this ministry family. Lord, I thank you for the uh, conversation that you intend to have with us tonight. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that we will listen for you and we will respond to you and we will walk in the obedience that you ask us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So there are some different, we're trying out new equipment. Um, we're experiencing old equipment, getting, trying to get acquainted with new equipment and it's fighting. And so some of the old equipment is trying to throw little temper, temper tantrums and hissy fits. And we're having to tell it to get in line, even as we're continually working to upgrade all of everything that we're using. So that being the case, if you hear a little uh, crackling and popping, I may have to change my mic and go to uh, something different. But we're going to have this conversation regardless. And uh, then we'll just take it from there. Okay? Yes, I think it's okay, too. Last week, I had the opportunity to say that it was so interesting to me that I would really like to be able to talk about things that are lots of fun. But I find that so often, my, instead, my conversation goes to talking about unforgiveness or um, judgments, pride, you know, all kinds of little stuff like that. And so sometimes... Um, tonight it's going to be bitterness. So um, <laughs> um, sometimes, what is that? Is that me? Okay. How about that? Yes. <laughs> it's me. It's me, oh Lord. Send me in need of prayer. Okay. All right. <laughs> you try. You really try. Okay. One of the things I used to teach is teach um, protocols and etiquette. And one of the things we wanted to make sure, everybody was said, make sure you don't wear loud jewelry. Make sure you don't have spangly bracelets and so forth and so on. And the other thing we said was the necklace. But you know what? It didn't work out quite the way I thought. So hold on. That's me. Okay? Because I, I don't like this thing dangling. <laughs> it's like silly. All right. So um, and this is just one of the things that I was talking about. It's like, ah, I, I'd like to talk about other stuff. But... Sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And one of the reasons is, is that there's always, because you're looking from the spirit, you're not looking from the flesh, you're looking from the things of the spirit. And you're wanting and desiring that we break through. We're, our house is in a critical place right now where there is a call of the spirit of God to come into unity. And it's not the unity of old time religion or new time religion. It's not the unity of the flesh, but it is the unity of the spirit, according to Ephesians 4. You who have Bibles, and most of y'all do, uh, you are familiar with the passage of scripture in Ephesians 4. It's not where I plan to go, but do I ever? Um, but in Ephesians 4, where he talks about unity in the, bi uh, in the body, he says in verse 11, Ephesians 4, that he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying or the growth of the body of Christ, till we all come, and it says all, verse 13, till we, A-L-L, -L, come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So that will get us to the place of being a perfect man 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which is the standards of Yeshua. It's the standard, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that the whole job of the fivefold is to function, to, to listen, being the gifts that have been given to the body, to get us all to come in alignment so that we cease to live from this earthly, sensual, devilish place and begin to move up into the rank, into the fullness of Christ, meaning that being his body, his body begins to act as he does. And so this is the unity that, that the Spirit of the Lord is saying this must be. And it does come through fivefold. So when you get whining and scraggling and arguing and complaining and backbiting and so forth, and it's happening amongst the fivefold itself, then obviously the rest of the body is not going to function. If you have um, any kind of dissension, even within the local bodies, where the individuals don't necessarily know that they want to go along with the program, then you're still having fights and wars amongst ourselves. And I think it's the equivalent of a fist, your own personal fist going towards your eye and socking you. Um, it's, it's, it's actually self-mutilation because the body of Yeshua is one body, regardless of the different uh, groupings or uh, spread out all over the, the, over the planet. It's still one body. It's not separate churches. It's not separate anything. If you use the word separate in that in that in terms of the unity of the body, obviously we're, we're we're working from the wrong place. And so it is not this is this is how we used to think. It's because you're supposed to agree with me and you're supposed to think of things from my point of view. And that is not so. In fact, the correction comes to every single one of us when we say, hey, it's not the way I see it. Well, who asked you how you see anything? It isn't the way you see it. It's not the way I see it. That's not the way the body of Christ functions. It's the way Christ sees it because it's his body. All right. So when you keep that in mind, that's the goal. That's the objective. And that's the direction that he's pointing to. Till we all, every, per, every cell, every part of the body has to come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So unity is in the faith. It's not separate from it. So we're thinking we're all in unity because we all get along. That's a lie. You know, because it doesn't line up with what the Bible says. He's described what unity he's talking about. So the unity of the pistis, I believe it is. Yep, it is. That unity of thinking like God thinks and speaking like God speaks and seeing as God sees and doing as God wants done. That's the unity of the faith. It's that everybody doing the same thing, speaking with the same voice, which you saw, I believe it's in Acts chapter 4, when the church came together after persecution, and they did not pray, get us out of here. They said, help us to stand and to walk. Why? Because Yeshua Jesus never backed down from a fight. And he never backed down from any kind of opposition that was there and therefore his body has to act accordingly and so it is never scriptural for the church to be saying I can't wait for Jesus to come and get us out of here because that's not in alignment with what his body does do you understand so we have to let go of our traditions and our little uh, we, we have some of the most ridiculous ideas about our walk in God one of the things we all think about is, well, this is just the way that the Lord deals with me. He deals with all of us according to his word. 
And many times it is a refusal to change that has us spouting this, this filth about that's just the way he is with me. He may be different with you, but he deals with me this way. No, that's your refusal to grow up. You see, because he wants, and we've heard this, and we're going to keep hearing it, that we're not technons. And you can look at John 1, 12, I believe, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons. Technon, babies, born from above, coming into the kingdom. But the blessings that everybody is yammering about and mad because God has not brought, his, you know, his promises have not been fulfilled in my life. And yet we're still staying children and not growing and failing to grow into the maturity of sonship from which the blessings are not only released to us but then the bless the blessings are released through us so that's like zero to one 180 you gotta you gotta zoom through it's like so many of us are content to stay children and i'm going to um we're going to talk about that i'm gonna hit your nerves tonight i tell you so um i just promise you i don't promise it i just can feel it i can feel it did you hear that i, I said something does that make you feel i feel this no i do know this um it's been hitting it's been hitting me and it's a very good thing but he says the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Well, now that word there, the knowledge of the Son of God, this is a necessity. This belief, to, to believe in him, to believe that you have the life and to walk in the knowledge of the, who the Son of God is. Because many still think of Jesus as the baby in the manger or they think of Jesus as the... Um, the one that just walked the earth with the disciples, and they don't know that the knowledge of the Son of God that he is talking about, he is talking about, I want you to know him in his maturity. Because that word there, wehas, um, is the word of the fully mature son. So he wants us to come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the full grown son, the mature son of God, because that's what's opening up the vista for us to go into being a perfect man, the perfection of Yeshua. There is no other standard. You know, it's funny because we'll look at uh, fitness magazines or we'll look at television programs or films or whatever it is that catches our fancy and we think wow those are the ideas you know they have this contest that's the perfect body uh, the perfect body believe it or not is not the right measurements in a man or a woman the perfect body is the body of Yeshua and so everybody's talking about I'm trying to get in shape and I want to have my body looking good well you want your body to look good you better work from the inside and it's one body. We want his body to look good. When his body starts reflecting him, everybody else looks good anyway. You see, but we're doing it backwards many times. We're approaching things from a vain place instead of from a spirit place. And every the more you start to look at that, it's like, uh, like we heard in some meeting a couple months back. I know you're right about it. All right, because this is what he is saying to us. A perfect body, a perfect man is not flesh and blood. You're not going to find that perfection in flesh and blood. You find it in the spirit. And so everybody who's hesitating and putting things in, in their life on hold because you're waiting for somebody to be perfect in your eyes, um, you have something in your eyes that is dis uh, uh, disabling you. Um, from being able to see. Did you, I said disabled. You are disabled 
in your vision. You are blind to what things look like in the spirit because you're too busy looking at things in the flesh. And that includes yourself, me, myself, and I, and mama and them, and everybody else all down the street and around the corner. Okay? So you can't, we can't do that if we're going to come into this maturity because that's not the way Jesus looked at people. And so if he didn't do it, then why do we think it's okay for us? And that includes, you know, the most important person in your whole life is you. So it's everything about how it affects you. It's like, no, no, God comes first. Sure he does. But when he does it, let's talk about those moments when he, oh, he comes first. He comes first in everything. I just wish that he would take care of this. I just wish that he would take care of this. I don't understand why this doesn't happen and so forth. may happen because you are the most important person in your life. And it can't be that way. Not if we're going to attain maturity. If you want to stay a baby, then I guess you get buckled in for the ride or you get pushed to the side because you don't take babies everywhere. Sometimes you get a babysitter, you see. But I don't think there are any babysitters in heaven. So I don't know what you're going to do. I'm not going to put myself in that position. That's what I think we should do is think, well, you know what? I'm not going to get left behind. They don't find no babysitter for me because we don't even know what that such a thing is in, from the kingdom perspective. He wants us to grow. And so here he says again, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So it's going to be the fullness of Yeshua Jesus. It's going to be everything that pertains to, this is where it is pleroma, the filling, the fulfilling. So the me measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the fulfilling of the plan of God, the fulfilling of the, the whole mission for which Yeshua came, the, the fulfilling of destroying the works of the devil, the fulfilling of bringing eternal life to as many as possible, the fulfilling of healings and manifestations of, of, the, of the prosperity of the kingdom, which is your health and your wealth and everything, your mental, emotional, physical, every single part of who we are. And it comes from a spirit that is filled with the goodness and the knowledge of God and living from your spirit and not living from any place else. Well, who can do such a thing? Well, evidently, we can by the spirit of the living God, you see, because Jesus did. And he's still here on the inside of us. So then here, Ephesians 4.14, it tells you exactly what we've just been talking about. The purpose of God is that we should no longer be children. Wow. Because children get thrown. Okay? Um, that word is babes, child, childish. That we should no longer be childish. Okay? <laughs> That's huge to me. Okay? No longer childish. Tossed to and fro. Carried about with every wind of doctrine. Well, what do I mean by carried about? Well, what do I mean? I don't mean anything. But what does he mean by carried about with every wind of doctrine? Well, to be one that believes, I think the, one of the expressions I've heard, I don't, still don't really know what that means, but falling for the okie doke, right? Falling for anything anybody tells you at any time. Believing every news story. Believing every, um, every lie. Uh, looking that, the, that the, the, the media and all of these things is being your source for truth. It's a source for information. You may hear stuff. You, some of it is probably factual. So every once in a while, there may even be something true that's filtering through. But you cannot, I cannot, we cannot allow a doctor's report, a financial report, a state of the world report, 
anything that comes on the airwaves cannot be your source for truth. You will get carried here. Um, one, you, one, one year, people don't eat eggs. Then the next year, they go, oops, we made a mistake. Eggs are good. Then it's like, oh, no, not the whole egg, just the white part. Oh, no, you should be eating the yellow part. Maybe you should, you see what I mean? Oh, this is bad for you. Oh, this is good for you. Or you should, you should use this color salt because it's the best salt. Oh, well, studies have shown that the mineral factors in that salt is concerned. So maybe you shouldn't be using that salt. You should be using this salt. And, and I know people that run. Well, no, I used to eat this, but now we don't eat this. Oh, no, we never eat meat because it's bad for you. Oh, no, you never eat. You only eat this kind. Only eat raw stuff. Only eat this stuff. Only eat this stuff. Every wind of doctrine. I take metadoses of vet. Uh, I remember years back working with people that were like, oh, we've got to take meta. They, this is their expression. Metadoses of vitamin C because, you know, we want to build this up. And then it's like, well, I heard that too much vitamin C isn't good for you. And it changes your skin tone and it does this and that and the other. No, this is the, this, this is the vitamin of choice. This is the mineral that you should be taking. You should have iron, iron. Oh, no, you should never put iron in this. Iron is bad because it comes from here. Every wind of doctrine. And there's somebody that is always an expert on what non-experts are talking about. Because the only truth is where? Here. Because he knows all, sees all, and leads you in the way that you should go and guide you with his vision to show you. When he says, I'll guide you with my eye, I'll show you what it is that I want you to see. And I want you to see the things that will... Um, Remove you from places of danger. Let me see if I can do one more thing. Because you Okay. Hold, please. Okay. Pay no attention. <laughs> this is why I don't wear the pills. Okay. It's stuck. I was not made to wear a lapel. Is that all right? Everybody good? We're fine? Okay, we shouldn't hear any more of my heartbeat. Okay. Um, so here's what he's saying. I, I don't want you to be a child anymore. I don't want you to keep allowing yourself to run here, run there, run to the best place. You know, it's like somebody driving halfway across town to get the best gas. And they use the gasoline they should have just gone to the one where, yeah, it costs a little more, but you actually use the same amount driving all the way across town to get to the cheaper gas. And your time. Yeah, your time, too. And if you want cheaper gas and that's the gas station, then why don't you just move? Right? So here it is. He says, no. This is, now, here's the interesting thing. He says, carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. So these are man-made type of things and you or me or whoever allows themselves the slight of men is the way it's it's uh referred to in the king james and it means craftiness trickery a fraud artificial information artificial intelligence even if you want it is deception it's what dice players sometimes use to cheat and defraud their fellow players so it's it's playing the players or it's playing you for preying upon you even 
to get you to believe whatever it is that they want you to believe. Are you with me? Okay, so he says, By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. In King, New King James, it says, The craftiness of deceitful plotting. But they lie in wait, it says, to lie to you. They are just waiting for somebody to come along that they can tell something to and tell you, this is the truth. Here, you should just believe this because studies show. Studies by who? Who studied? Well, studies show, and that's what the expression is, studies. Studies by who? Okay, by who? Your studies or the studies of somebody else? Did you go back through the findings? Did you find out what the, what the formula was? Did you find out what the protocol was to go through this, this, and this? Even in courts, they'll say, listen, if you got the, defend, the defense side and the, um, and the uh, prosecuting side will say, well, we each have our own expert. And, and, and so our, one expert found this and another expert found this. It's like, okay, but when one side, if you use the protocol that was used to, to come up with the discovery and you find something different, what, what, what were you doing differently? Because you're going to either create the answer that you want or you're going to receive the answer that somebody else wants you to have or you're going to bypass all of that nonsense and you're going to go to what the truth of the matter is. And God has that truth. It's like, well, how is God supposed to tell me about stuff that happens in the 21st century? It's like the same way he did when it was the 17th century, the 14th century, the 8th century, and before the centuries. Okay? He's able to do it because he's been here all the time. All of our time, he's been here. And when time has passed, he will still be here. He will always be God, okay? So it's like, well, I don't know that I believe that. Really and truly, so what? You don't actually have to believe in somebody for them to exist. Okay? So <laughs> my existence is not predicated upon you believing that I'm real. Not even a little bit. So why would I care? So what does that tell you about the God or the, the creator? You know, he calls himself creator. You say he's not. Well, who are you? You see, because when he gets his breath back and you're gone, he'll still be here and he'll still be creator. And when you start thinking about that, you think, you know, maybe I'm not as smart. And if you think that you're, you think you're smart, wow, you got one opinion. And where is your source for that fact? If you're so smart, where did you get that information that made you so smart from somebody else's thinking? Okay, or from a wound from a bad experience or from something that you witnessed, but you never had an original thought a day in your life, just so you know. Hi. Okay. All right. So um, here he says, does, does that make sense to you? We, I, we think we're so original. We think that we're the first ones to come up with doing this or doing that or the other. And then they show you pictures of relatives from 30, 40, 50 years ago and they're doing the exact same thing. You thought your outfit was so, so altogether new. And they say, oh my gosh, my great-great-great-great-grandmother used to dress the same way. Well, first of all, you feel a little out of it. Like, what do you mean I dress like a great-great-great-grandmother? Well, they were very, if they were the flappers at the time, the, the roaring 20s or something, these women dressed beautifully. 
and so forth. And somebody's telling you, you dress like somebody that's, you're thinking of their Nana in the rocking chair <laughs> or in the jet or driving the Corvette, whatever your Nana happens to be like, right? And, but they're just simply saying, there's nothing new. The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. The only fresh, the only original you will ever get comes from God. Only from God. And that's another thing to put in there. So in the last part of this, he says, speaking the truth, Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love, that's how you grow up in all things into him. You can grow, grow up, I guess, mature, get older in the world. But if you're going to grow up in Christ, you're going to do it by truth spoken in love. The release of the word of God, the release of the will of God to us, and uh, to let us all know that this is the direction because it's all in him. Everything in him. He has the preeminence. He comes first. He comes first so that he's taken the hit for us. He's opened the, the doors for us. He has made ways of escape for us. Everything that Jesus has ever done was to please the Father. And therefore, the Father wanted him to do these things for us. So it's all been this huge rescue mission and this opening up to bring us into royalty and to bring us into a family by which he never wants us to be lost. It's all because of love. And that's what he said, speaking the truth in that place called love, in that location called love, in him, so that we can grow up into him in all things, okay? In all things. And that... Um, which is the head. We grow up in the head. We grow up in Christ. So it all comes into alignment with him. So some of you, you've had conversations, you told me, well, I don't really see it that way. And I'm like, I don't really care. Because if you don't see it, you, you see, I see, we see wrongly, if we see it any way differently from the way God says it. Now, when you accept that as a truth, it starts us on that path of maturity. Because we're suddenly recognizing that while we may have an opinion, sometimes it just needs to be tossed in the basket. Okay? If you have an opinion, but your opinion, my opinion, is subject to change according to what God said. Not according to winds of doctrine. Not according to trends. Not according to orange is the new orange. Or, you know, red is the new this. Because they're always talking about this is the new such and such. And it's like, no, it isn't. It's the same what it is. There is no new black. Black is black. Red is the new black. No, red is not. I understand what you're trying to say is where black has always been the color of this sophistication or this, that, or the other, that now red has started taking place. But no, red is still red. Red is just as happening, that's all, in a different place. And so the Bible is letting us know in Romans, don't be conformed to the ways of the world. And yet we push back if we're told, stop talking and using their expressions all the time. If you don't know what they're saying and the things that they're saying are going to take you off track. Saying, oh man, this is killer. This is really killer. Or, oh, you slay me with that. I'm just, we just died over that. What are you talking about? You see, you're bringing death into a place where you live in life. And Romans 8, now you can see how it starts to come. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So why do we keep in our language, keep perpetuating the law of sin and death. And the reason is, is because it's the way of the world. And we have uh, liked the taste of it so much, we haven't let go of it. 
Now, okay, having said all that, because I was talking about that, but it sets us up perfectly because we're talking about, uh, we're going to talk about uh, bitterness today. Yay! <laughs> and the reason I shared a little bit, I'm not going to go into full details with this with you all, but um, last, uh, just a few days ago, I had this thing happen where I started to see some things in the spirit realm that I really didn't like. And the Lord was talking about roots of bitterness. So I'm going to give us two scriptures that we're going to just write down and we'll look at them and we'll not look at them today because uh, we're just going to start to touch on this. And then, Crystal, if you have those questions, you have questions or anything you want to bring up from some of the conversations we've talked about, then we can use that as part of the exercise in, in, in really to get to the meaning, to the core of what I'm talking about. Okay, Deuteronomy 29.18, we're starting in 29.17. Um, Okay, where do you want to go? Let's look at verse 9, Deuteronomy chapter 29. He says, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. Now, is that just Old Testament, or is that also coming into the current, into where we are? And the answer to that is, it's, it's all, okay? That's a lasting, eternal word. Because everything in the kingdom is built upon and predicated upon this covenant that God made with his son. And every covenant that they were doing up to it was always so that the blessing, and the blessing is able to be released, when the doors are able to be opened, and when all of these different things are happening, then you understand that this is the heart of God being expressed toward us. He said, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. Now, that right there, that expression, that you may prosper in all that you do, it lets you, the will of God has just been made known to you. It is the will of God for you to prosper. It did not change. You cannot tell me, well, you know, this part of it is not as current as today. I've seen people ask, why do we always have to talk about prosperity? It's like, why are you always looking for money? And when the Holy Spirit released what he did through our apostle on Sunday, one of the things that was very clear was that it's, it's, it's God is talking prosperity differently from the way the world does. God is saying, I want to upgrade your life to my standard. There's only one, how many standards do you think there are in the kingdom? And I just gave you a hand. <laughs> one. Would it be your standard or his standard, the king's standard? The king's standard. So then if you live broke, poor, pathetic, you know, all those different things, bitter, angry, are you living at the king's standard or are you living at a different standard? So the objective of any ruler is to have the subjects live according to the standard that they establish. The culture, that's what culture is about, is the establishing of a lifestyle and a way of thinking and a way of, I'm going to use a fancier word, comporting yourself, behaving, how you live, how you act, how you interact, how you think, how you receive, how you release, all of these different things. And these are all connected to the standard that the king, the monarch, the leader, uh, or in some cases the dictator establishes. A dictator wants people to live below the standard that the dictator lives. They want you to be, they want you to be labor, slave labor, servants, whatever you want to call it. They want you to go out there, make those bricks, get that money, and bring it back. 
and do what? Give it to me so that I can increase and look better and better all the time. And I don't care if you only have potatoes to eat. That's how a dictator, an evil ruler lives. I want to bankrupt you. I want to mind wash, uh, brainwash you. I want to train you to be afraid of me. I want to train you to do what I said for fear of punishment. And I want to crush your spirit. That's the way a dictator works. And then there is a king, a prosperous king, that says, I want you to have the finest of clothing. I want you, I want, because my kingdom is prosperous, and I have all things, and I'm never going to run out. I will always have, always have, always have, and I am a good king, and I want you to be a reflection of my goodness and my favor toward you. And so I want, I require you to live at a higher standard than what you think that you deserve. And it's actually a higher standard than you think, you think you got it going on. Sometimes in our minds, we think, oh, I know what it would be like. But it's like, no, really, we don't. Because most of the time, our idea of wealth and our idea of increase is based upon an earthly standard of living. We think, oh, living large, living this way. But he's not saying living large. He's not saying living the way the world does. He said, I want you to live the way it is in my kingdom. I don't know about many of you. I don't know how many of you are actually used to walking on a gold street. I'm not. But he wants me to get used to it. He wants me to think about the fact that gold is so... I don't want to use the word commonplace, but so regular so much a part of the way of the kingdom that i'm used to walking on it he wants me to think about he wants you obviously i'm saying when i say me and i'm talking about each of us he wants you to consider that whatever your need is that you have it's met before you can even finish the thought about the need how do i know before you even call i have already answered he wants you to never look at what somebody else needs and feel helpless that you can't help them, but instead to just make the call, push the button, send the text, and have the resources ready to respond to a need or many needs. He wants you to be so used to the idea of being uh, prospering and being in health even as your soul prospers that you understand your soul is prosperous because you don't live from it, you live from the spirit. And you live from the belief that all things are yours because all things are his. And you live from the belief that you're never going to run out so you never have to hoard. And you live from the belief that your success in everything that you do and your function is to help others to succeed because nobody can ever outdo you because you can never outdo God. So that means get rid of selfishness. Get rid of uh, all of the things that we think that we need in order to be able to protect ourselves in life. And that's because it's not a part of his kingdom. The only things we need come from his kingdom. There was a song that was sung. It came out of, I think, the Bahamas. All that I need is your kingdom. And, you know, all that I need is, and I, think, I don't recall the rest of the song, but I remember them singing over and over, all that I need is your kingdom. Well, that is not simply saying, I just need to be, I just need the kingdom of God and life will be all right. No, what he's saying is, if, if all you need is his kingdom, then everything in the kingdom is every, has everything that you need. The kingdom has everything that you need. It has every resource. It has 
every thought. The kingdom has every idea that you will ever need to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. The kingdom has every remedy for every sickness, has a solution for every problem. The kingdom has all the things, everything. It, it, it solves problems. The kingdom has everything that you need to live this life in victory. But, B-U-T, if you refuse it, you're walking in rebellion and you're walking torn between two lovers, double-minded, and not receiving the things from God. Because again, it comes back to being a, what we've been hearing, the technon, the child, the baby, the immature one. But when we grow up, then we start to prosper and we start to move in these, in these types of things. All right, everybody with me so far? Because we are definitely going somewhere. All right, so he says, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. So it's his will for me to prosper in all that I do. He said, but he was talking to a particular tribe. He was talking to a particular tribe, but there are parts of the covenant that he had extended. He says, I want you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So if you can't get it from Deuteronomy 29.9, and you have to have a New Testament scripture, then take it from John 3. Is it John 3? First John 3. First John 1. First John 1. Wherever it is, tell me where it is, people. My beloved, I desire above all things, 3 John 2. Third John. Okay. I desire that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I've been spotting out so many scriptures today. I was telling Crystal, I said, you can believe me if I tell you that it came from the word. I am accurate in that it came from the word. But I'm not always accurate about where in the word you can find it. Because I will have three scriptures vying for attention at the same time. And I will speak one and give the address for another. So I, I, I admit that wholeheartedly. Um, call me on it if I, if I gave you the, the wrong one. But in this case, I was saying Third John 2. Beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So if you can't accept it from Deuteronomy 29.9 because you just feel that it's the wrong covenant, then take it from Third John 2. And if you can't receive it from there, you haven't received the kingdom. You haven't received Jesus. You haven't. Because the Bible said, we just read it in Ephesians 4, I want you to grow up in the knowledge of the Son. And the mature Son was not running around without his needs being met. Okay? All right. All right, so he says, all of you stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord. Now, isn't that something? Because what they said is, even the people that are outside of the blood that you have, he has extended covenant. There you see it, even before Jesus came. I want the people that are connected to you to be a part of what I give to you. So that's the extension of the blessing. You need to bring your real Bible. Okay. Um, that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God makes with you today. So he says, I want to extend this thing, and I want you to understand that you are entering into his power. Because that word oath is speaking of, it's really um, the thing that he swore to do. And it is a legal release of words. Because it's like, I do you solemnly swear? This is how we used to, you take an oath. I, this is a promise, this is a pledge, this is a commitment that I cannot break. And he said, I want you to enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which he makes with you today. 
that he may, why? Why did he do it? Because he wants to establish you as a people for himself. See, if it pleases the father, if it pleases the king. And so why? Because he wants to be God to you. Because he wants to be God to you. How awful is it when we claim to be born from above, but we can't receive or believe that God wants to be good to you? When he doesn't know how to be anything else to you, when you belong to him. And I, do, I, I just give up on believing that God's going to do what he said. So what you said is, I've given up faith. I've traded faith for doubt and unbelief and deception. And so you've chosen not to fight for what has been given to you. And you've chosen to fold and to accept whatever comes. Can you see how that works? Because you've got to fight to believe. And you have to, when you fight to believe, it's not just sitting there in your mind saying, I fight to believe. You've got to do the stuff that he says to do that empowers him to keep pushing. It empowers you. And it causes the, the force of the kingdom to be able to work on your behalf, you see, in, in, in places that, that he's like, I, I, I need you to push this thing. I need you to be the voice in the earth that, that opens this gateway up for me to come through. And, and so in your life, in your life, okay, that he may establish you today as a people for himself and he may be God to you just as he has spoken to you and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And some, well, yes, but I'm not, no, according to Galatians, we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise because of Jesus. So this is applicable. I make this covenant, he said, and this oath, not with you alone, but with those who stand with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with those that are not here with us today. Okay? For you know that we dwelled in the land of Egypt and that we came through the nations which you passed by. And you saw their abominations and their idols among them, gold, wood and stone and silver and gold. He said so that, verse 18, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go serve the gods of these nations and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Well, that's what I'm going to look at today. Um, a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. That there would not be, lest there would be some that would turn away because bitterness causes you to turn away from God. It causes you to turn away from the things that he is saying, from the things that he wants done. It causes you to harbor and hold on to rotted fruit. It causes you to be distorted in your thinking, and you have a failure to be able to walk in what God is saying. And let's just divide. Now, now the King James does not call that word bitterness. In the King James, the word is gall. It's spelled G-A-L-L. And what it is, and we've heard it referred to, it's venom. It's bitter. It's poison. Okay? It is hemlock. It is um, even poison from serpents, um, uh, things that have come through. And that makes sense because you're holding, no, not right now. You are holding on to something that does not come from God. 
It's in the body. And it needs to come out. Okay? And today I don't want anybody to focus on what somebody else is doing. You're only going to deal with you. Only you. Okay? So I'm going to give you some examples in a minute. Okay, so he says, and so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart. This is where the deception is. Saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my heart. As though the drunkard could be included with the sober. You know, people that have been strung out on certain kinds of drugs, um, crap, things of that sort. Because it does a distortion of their mind and it does a distortion of their ability to see. And many of them were very, very handsome or very beautiful before they, this poison got hold of them. And the poison started to eat away at their mind. It started to eat away at their soul. It started to eat away. And it, it caused their, their ability to function. It gave them, what, a craving for more. I want more of this. And, it, and I want more of the thing that is destroying me. I want more of the thing that is destroying me. It caused a craving, a hunger for more of the, the, the addiction. That's what the addiction does. It gives you a greater hunger for a thing, that a poison that is in your body to destroy you. This is how bitterness can work in our minds. This is this. Now, how did it come? Well, it had to have come through a gateway. And many times it comes from being offended. It comes from a refusal to forgive. It comes from a place of pride where you think that others are beneath you. It comes from a refusal to align with the things that God has said. It comes from um, letting a poison in your body and not getting the remedy to get the toxins out. Detoxifying spiritually, what we're talking about here is, is um, the power of the kingdom says to forgive. We say, I'll forgive conditionally. Well, forgiving conditionally is going to take you where? Into witchcraft. It takes you into rebellion. Why? How do I know? Because this is what you find in, I believe it's 1 Samuel 15, when Saul, King Saul, was, the kingdom was taken from him because, what? Because he was told specifically by the prophet who spoke for God, this is what God wants you to do, and this is how God wants you to do it. And the king said in his heart, well, you know, if I just do this, this is enough. And in his eyes, what he did was the same as what God said, but it wasn't. Because he was told to utterly destroy the enemy. Do not leave anything alive. And he took live the king. He took live the cattle. He took live all these different things. He was told, don't let anything live. Don't let the seed of this thing be able to reproduce itself and cause problems not only for in your generation, but in the generations to come. You've got to utterly destroy the slime. And he said, well, I did do what God said according to his own belief. And I could really identify with that because I didn't know all the years that God kept saying I was walking in rebellion and I didn't think I was walking in rebellion because my behavior as far as I was concerned was good enough. Maybe it's not exact, but why be legalistic about it? There's a difference between being legalistic, which is when you are bringing in your own rules and insisting on things being a certain way and being obedient, which is doing precisely what God said. Okay, so forgive. Well, I can forgive conditionally. That doesn't have that, that God. That God's not in that. But if you forgive conditionally, meaning I'll forgive them when they tell me they're sorry. 
or I'll forgive them when they show me that they deserve it, or I'll forgive them when I have gone through 20 years of processing, being processed this way, that way, the other way. I have to, God has to work on me first in order to get this out of me. Well, then you're going to perish, basically. You're never going to come into what you were told because you're carrying the seed of Satan. Bitterness, unforgiveness, judgments, those criticisms, if you will, that refusal, rebellion, none of that is in the kingdom. When it was found there, it was ejected. Now, if it was ejected, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. If it was ejected from the kingdom then, do you think that now they have, oh, well, a new tolerance rule? And they say, well, you know, it's different here because these are my precious poodlings and my precious babies. And so for them, we'll bend the rules a little bit. No, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so what he's telling us is you have ungodliness in your life. You have things that are not of me. You have attitudes, feelings, emotions, places, unsubmitted places in you. Things that all you have to do, yes, but it just seems so hard. It's not hard if you have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Like he's sitting right here next to you saying, talk to me about this. I don't think I want to. Well, why don't you want to? And you're talking like Ahab did, King Ahab did to King Jehoshaphat. When King Jehoshaphat, they were, should we go out to war? Well, let's get the word of the prophets. Let's let the prophets come. And all of these false prophets, oh, yes, my king. Oh, yes, my king. Oh, yes, my king. You should just go and you should do this. And King Jehoshaphat looked at King Ahab and he says, uh, do you have a prophet of God? Because my experience, <laughs> prophets don't just come and kiss you and just tell you whatever you want to hear. Prophets speak for God. And do you remember what the king said? He said, yeah, I have a, a prophet of God, and I hate him. Yeah. Because he always tells me something I don't want to hear. That's what he said. Now, let's just look at the king for a minute. I cannot stand when somebody comes bringing the Bible to me. Why? Because I don't want to hear truth. I want to hear what I want to hear, and you ain't going to find it in here. Are you getting this? Yes. Well, how does that tie in or connect to bitterness or any of this other stuff? It connects because those are the unsubmitted areas. Those are the places where God says, let me have this. Let me have this habit. Mm -mm. I'm not sure yet. You remember me telling the story a few weeks ago about me and the splinter in my finger. Mm -hmm. Let me have your finger so I can pull the splinter out. No. It's going to hurt me. It's hurting you anyway, yes, but that's a deliberate hurt. Well, this is an intentional hurt too. Yeah, but this is different. No, it's not. Here's what the difference is. I'm going to inflict pain in a certain part of your body to pull out something that could poison all of you. You need to let me have it so that the whole body is not affected, infected by it. No, because it's going to hurt. For how long will it hurt? Well, it'll hurt in this moment, but will it hurt tonight? It would hurt. Because you don't have a good answer, so all you have to do is resort back to childishness. You understand? So here's what it is. So we got, well, no, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I, I don't have it. I forgive everybody. I love people. I love people. Love people. You know, and you go through all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, good for you, little one. I'm glad you love people. So, oh, let's catch up. So, oh, no, I, if, if they're going to come, I don't want to. 
because I had an experience with them. Oh, don't misunderstand me. I love people, and I love that people too. I just love that one from a distance. Because up close and personal, they get on my nerves. Now, your nerves have a really good part to do with stuff that's going on with you, okay? You get on my nerves means I've got an unsubmitted area in my life where Jesus is not ruling. Because it affected me. No, you don't understand. Now, you've got the defense mechanism going on because the demon don't want to go. Anytime you find yourself arguing with truth, do you understand it's a demon saying, I'm not going to leave you. I don't want to go. We've been doing fine. Why are you letting them in here to mess us up? Why you keep letting God in our relationship? Are you? Are you? Are you? Yeah. Okay. All right. So here he said, it's right here, Deuteronomy 29, 19. I want it to be so that when you hear the words of this curse or when you understand what God has said and that this is what is in existence, that you bless yourself in your heart saying, I have peace. That don't affect me. It's not me they're talking about. It's all the mother hoodlums and heathens out there. They need, they need this. They need this. Okay, they, they, you saw the way them people act. They need this word. And that's like a drunkard who's thinking that he could be included wow. with the sober. See, a drunkard with the sober. He thinks he's fine. The drug addict thinks I can handle this. I can quit anytime I want to. I don't want to quit. If I wanted to quit, I'd quit. Right? That's what they say. They say, well, then I'm not going to give you money. You don't give me that, I'll hurt you. Because I didn't tell you I, I wanted to. I, I, I have control of this. I have control of the thing that's controlling me. Not if you're coming from the flesh, you don't. You are supposed to have. You are right in your thought that you should exercise authority over darkness. But you can only do it by being light. Not darkness. Understand? Okay, you have a question? Yes. Yes. Or, oh, a request. So, 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 okay. so, um, so we recognize this. I want to kind of go um, along with your saying, but to give more of an example. Um, it doesn't really matter whether it's bitterness or anger or whatever, but how do we, when we, you know, we realize we're in a situation and we feel our anger, we're pissed, mm -hmm. okay, or we want, we just don't want, something is twisted, it doesn't it feel like, or how dare they, or whatever the situation is, um, how do we recognize at that moment, right then, when the offense, or we take the offense in, how to stop it, stop right there, and then ask Holy Spirit, okay, before we, because at that moment, it's so, it happens, to, it seems like so quickly, mm -hmm. um, that you have already, boom, to the, you know what I'm saying, or I'm going to tell this person something, and and let them know, mm -hmm. right? You don't even think that you're in your flesh. So how do you um, catch yourself? I don't know if that's the right wording, but mm -hmm. do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You catch yourself in moments like right now. 
-hmm. when a word is being released and you say to him, this is the conversation that you have with him, where is that working in me like that? Okay. You see, you, you do it in, let's say, let's do it in peacetime. Okay. That's good. All okay. Right. Mm -hmm. This is peacetime. Right now, mm -hmm. I can look around. <laughs> Ain't nobody said nothing to me. I'm sitting up here, right? Like I told y'all, I wake up, I forgive them now. I forgive people this morning before I have a single conversation. And I, a, a few times I've fallen off of that. I, I, I've had, I've just rolled out of bed and wouldn't do, no, I've got to stay in there for a minute. I have to, I forgive, here's my top 10, right? I forgive my mama. I didn't say apostle. I said, I forgive my mama. I forgive my daughter, okay? I forgive my brother, my sister, Crystal, Christine. I forgive, I, forget. I name every single one of y'all. I forget, but you didn't even talk to them today. It doesn't matter, it's gonna roll. So that when I have that moment mm -hmm. with you, I'll, I'll use him, okay? Have that moment with my brother. Because my brother can say stuff and I just, <laughs> okay? He's my big brother. He's got, the, he, he's got that ability if I allow that ability to have place in me. It's not his fault if I have that place in my heart that says, this little spot is dedicated to when brother acts like a jerk. I'm keeping this so that I can punch him, slap him, hit him. This is my place of violence and reaction to brother that's in my heart that has nothing to do with God. I just decided to keep it. Yeah, it's the beginning time. It, it, it can roll into it because it has the potential to be unforgiving or it has the potential to be judgmental. It has the potential to be offended. However it is, he comes at me. Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated and I'm ticked at him. Well, okay, then I'm going to go towards judgment of him because do you know what that na 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 and another thing about it? Do you see what I mean? So because I'm thinking that way toward him, then I've judged him, and time goes by, and it's like, oh, no, this, this is the problem with him, because he da-da-da-da-da. That judgment has stayed there. I've accused him of something, and, and that judgment is rooted in the mind. No, I don't even think highly of him in this place. I think low of him here. So, therefore, what have I done? I've started giving place to the devil. It will eventually erode. I am so ticked in him, because if he would do, bitterness has just found a way. Stacks up. It stacks up. It, mm -hmm. it, because with all of this stuff, remember, spirit, we're spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So everything happens in the kingdom. Everything that happens, it's always seed form. Mm -hmm. It's seed form. So it's not this real big explosion. It's just him breathing. Right? Mm -hmm. Or just somebody, mm, gosh, I don't know why they got to chew gum when I'm trying to be quiet. And you get annoyed by it. I wish you would just shut up. I don't even want to be around this person because have you they sound like a have you ever put a microphone up to a cow's mouth? Because I guarantee you sound the same way. You know, it's something you are irritating me because I've got something in me that allows myself to be irritated. What has it does that mean? 
It means I'm lacking in the fruit of the spirit. I am not. There is no patience. James said, let patience have a perfect work. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit gets rid of the bitterness. But oh, no, this is different. This was not coming under that clause because, you know, this is just a momentary thing. No, there is no moment. And what happens is you, how this starts is I've got an intolerance for ever having. I don't want to carry nothing that belongs to the devil. And so if I've got the, if there's potential for these things to start happening in me, then I'm going to get before God. I'm going to find out what he's saying in his word. And I'm going to let this stuff uh, happen here in Acts 8, 23. When they were talking to that uh, false prophet, I think it was, Elemas, I think it is. I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Those are scriptures you look at and go, well, how come he was poisoned by, he wanted what they had. He wanted things to be done the same way. Um, he said, pray for me. Um, I, I want, I want, here, I'm going to give you this. Can I buy those gifts? And Peter said, oh, no, um, your money perished with you. You thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You never, you came in. You came in under the, oh, yeah, this is a big uh, 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 crusade. And I'm coming into the kingdom of God along with everybody else. But you never let the kingdom come into you. You never changed your heart. You have always, you've been bound by iniquity with the things, the jealousies, the comparisons, the refusals to let anybody get in front of you. Oh, no, you ain't going to get in front of me. You're not going to be the, I'm the favorite. You ain't going to be no favorite. Along. We can't be favorite. We can't be co-favorites. Oh, no, no, no. There's, there can only be one. And see, all of these different kinds of things that are going on in you, where the Bible says, where does this, this stuff come from? It comes from the parts of the world that you thought were okay. It's okay. It's not really bothering anybody. It's not bothering anything. But because you're disturbed by it now, that's the, that's the most excellent place to be. Because now it's like, well, Crystal, how much of Satan do you want to hold? In Exodus told y'all I wasn't telling you where we were going because we didn't go. Exodus chapter 8, I believe it is, is talking about how the plagues were coming and, and God was going against the, the ten Egyptian gods and so forth. And here he's going against, I think it's Hecate, the frog thing. And he says, the frogs are going to come and this and they're like, well, we can do that too. And we kind of like frogs because, you know, it's one of our gods and, and it's prosperity and so forth. But, you know, this is too much. This is an overabundance of frogs. We ain't wanting this at all. So he's like, okay, this got to go. And so he said, well, you tell me, because I'm, I get, give me the honor of praying to my God to release these frogs from you. And Pharaoh said, all right, yeah, do that. Well, when do you want the frogs to be gone? Tomorrow's good. So you're going to make us stay through this mess for the rest of the day? All night long? Until tomorrow? It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You talking tomorrow? So the frogs get to stay, and that's the attitude that we have. It's not really bothering anything. People say, well, you know... It's in remission right now. No, it doesn't need to be in remission. It needs to be gone. Yeah, but it's not bothering anything right now. No, that's the standard of the world. That's not the standard of the kingdom. So when you say, I want kingdom standards, I choose to live in, uh, on, a, uh, on the level of where blessing can come. Because we go through, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Oops, missed that one. And that would have been a good blessing to have. You know, there was a blessing listed for me. I wonder what things would have been like today if I had gotten that blessing that I missed last week. But you know what? Forget it. I missed it. That's all I was doing. No, I don't, I don't know. Can we, can we go back and get that? Because if it was for me, then it was for something. 
So this is why you're saying, if you have a tolerance of bitterness, if you have a tolerance of, of a little bit of this, if I, have a, I have built up an ability to maintain and be okay with me being out of my mind and out of the mind of Christ, then there's no reason for it to go. And what happens when you do that and he starts, you know, even with me, you forgave. He reminds me, no, you said that you forgave. So the word, the word is already at work as the, as the anti-venom. It is against the poison. It's not letting that poison come. It's not even letting that serpent bite me because the word is there as a protective sheath. It says, no, you don't get hold of her. And that happened to me today. Um, this is the best way I can explain it. Uh, today was, uh, it, it did not start out the way it was supposed to. I actually woke up thinking I'd overslept for a meeting. And I was getting ready to send a text saying, can we, can we postpone it? It was like, well, actually, you don't have a meeting today. It was like, oh, okay. But then I got phone calls and I had some things to do that took me outside of my regular schedule. And I knew I was going to talk about bitterness today. And so every single thing that happened was like, well, you know what? They should have known better. Da, da, da. I mean, these thoughts were coming at me and I knew they weren't mine. They were outside of my in, in, inward thinking. But it was all about get upset with this person, find fault with this person, get, you know, all of this. Why? Because bitterness did not want this conversation to come. But the word kept rising up. No, you've already forgiven. No, you get to be uh, joyous over this. Why don't you exhibit Thanksgiving here? Why don't you show gratitude in this place? And every place where bitterness was trying, where the thing was trying to bite me, it couldn't get through. Because, and I, I'm going to say this. When I started looking at this and when the Holy Spirit started to show me this, and it was about a, a few days ago, he said, I can begin to, I've begun to trust you with it. Begin means the opening of it, not that he's gradually going to, okay? But he, what he's saying is, because you have worked to get rid of bitterness, which I have, okay? Not on my own strength. Well, God knows I'd still be fighting that. But, but it doesn't mean that it's so washed out that I never have to see it try to come. But what it means is that there are the kingdom, the places on the inside of the heart, um, over and over with the men from the past, over and over with the, the people I used to work with, over and over with folks in the, in the body of Christ, over and over with this and the other. I kept going back to him, kept going back to him. Do not sit there and go, I thought that I was delivered. I thought that I was delivered, but it, I guess I'm not because it's bad. No, it's not bad. It's the next part of the root coming up. It's the uprooting of this thing and all of the gathering of all of the seeds that are hoping that you don't see them so that they'll be able to do a new planting on the inside. And so he's qualifying us to talk about things that nobody in the body of Christ wants to talk about. But bitterness ages you. It poisons you. It, it, you remember Sunday, may have you remember, when I kept praying metals, I said metals are disappearing, metals are disappearing. And I knew I wasn't talking about like shrapnel or, or you know, things that are that, um, a, a, a metal plate and things like that that were put in people. But what I was seeing, because I know that cyanide is a metal and, you know, poisons like that, I was praying for the disintegration of poisons and toxins inside of God's people so that the distortion of our faces and our thinking and our lives will, will this, stuff, this stuff will begin to, I mean, just, it's a foul smell. It, it, it does things, it tries to freeze your heart, and then it eats away at your beliefs so that you think you're hearing from God as a drunkard thinks he's sober. 
You think you're hearing from God, but you're not hearing from God. You're hearing from the toxins because you refuse to believe, forgive, because you refuse to, to let go of ra uh, what they call racism, prejudice, bigotry, hatred, a, a self-entitlement that you come from a specific culture, cultural background, and everybody else in the world treated you wrong and they owe you something. That will eat away at you. You understand what I'm saying? It eats at the soul, messes up your mind. And it's like, why don't you forgive? Because they do not deserve to be forgiven. And that's what people say. And it's like, well, you don't either, but you are forgiven. You are forgiven. And that's the other piece. Refusing to receive the forgiveness of God enables you to continually walk in unforgiveness toward others. That's what we read in the Word, okay? I want to read this to you. I, I'm not really taking questions at this moment because I'm, um, i got about five minutes. And I want to read something to you. Um, this, I brought this up here because this, what I'm about to read, is not a part of this. It got cut out of this particular book, uh, Kingdom 101, and it's going into another one, okay? Um, this is something that I, I call these snippets because they, I, I never throw anything I write away. I just take it out of one document and put it in another one to find out if any part of that, it may be for an essay, it may be for something. But um, it was there. So listen to this. It says, wrong motives distort vision. Have you ever been disappointed in the way your leader carries out an awe-inspiring plan? And I read this to you all before, um, a few years ago, okay? It says, the plan calls for territorial expansion or reorganization, and you have an idea of how they should do it. But where you expected immediate snap, crackle, and sizzle, the action plan was more along the lines of tearing down the established way, uh, or tearing down the established all the way to the foundation, and then rebuilding from the ground up. So now your power and influence are not happening like you envisioned. So you think, forget it. I'm looking for a new church. I'm looking for a new job. I'm looking for a new leader. Or I'm looking for a new outlet to get what I want. And this is something that people have. Now, that is bitterness. That's where being offended. That's where all of these different things we're talking about, whether, you, whether it comes through you and you offended, that they took your job away, nobody even discussed it with me. They just made this decision, and they didn't even talk to me about it. Okay? That kind of thing happens. It happens in relationships. It happens on jobs. It happens in, in ministries. It happens all over. Like, we should have been consulted. You did not even consult me. How dare you not do that? Or something along those lines. Okay? And so I'm, forget it. I'm walking away. I, I, I don't want to have anything else to do with these people. You are in dangerous thinking mode. Okay? Because Judas Iscariot was infamous for doing something similar. He had visions of grandeur and prominence as a dignitary in the kingdom of Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't think of the kingdom of God. He wanted to be in the kingdom of Jesus of Nazareth. He was one of the twelve, part of the in crowd of Jesus, who was the hottest celebrity in Jerusalem. And Judas had great expectation of Yeshua establishing his kingdom over the Romans. And Judas himself would belong to, uh, would, he, he would belong to one of the chosen entourage. He would be part of that. And he'd be rich beyond measure, and he'd be able to lord it over the ones that had belittled him. Because he is insecure within himself, because he thinks of himself. Uh, uh, uh. Here's how insecurity works. When you're offended by something somebody else did, and you're always doing little things, little things, little things to try to get back at them, or to take little shots at them with your mouth. 
saying things about, see, the, I, yeah, well, you know, they're, oh, I'm not going to say anything. Oh, well, you know, this and that. Your insecurity can become, because you're allowing that to grow in place of confidence in God, in confidence in Christ. Your confidence and your security is never in yourself. It should be, it's rooted in what he says. But we, we launch self-defense mechanisms. You can't talk to me just any way you want to. You can't just do this. You can't just do this. You can't just do this. And I'm going to tell you who I am. And I'm going to tell you this. Well, you know, Jesus never did that. But you feel entitled because you're not secure. Which means it's easy to offend you. And you won't forgive. You'll judge them. You'll find fault with them. And, and we talked about this before. All it takes is somebody to say something to you, about you. And even if it, usually it hits a fear. It hits a fear. It hits an insecure place that you are fearful that it might possibly be true. And when they do that, they have become your enemy. And he says forgive, but that thing has taken root. And to forgive would be to kill it. To allow it to die and to release. But, but the idea of forgiveness, the problem with that is we feel that it will cost us. You're asking me to do something and they're not doing anything. And unforgiveness causes you to always look at what everybody else is doing. Meaning you perpetuate a state of offense, being offended. And you're not willing to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. Lay it down before the Holy Spirit and say, come in here. Because there really is a broken person. And it's not because of what these people did to me. It's because of what I'm allowing Satan to continue to do in me. Are you with me? Yes. Well, that's really, really much all I'm going to talk about today. Okay. If you have questions, you need to text them to me. And we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Because we're going to do more with this. But this is about the kingdom life. And this is about letting this now, Romans 8, 2 again, that the... How do I say that? That the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. This stuff is the law of sin and death. This is, the, this is walking like you're not free. You know, you heard people on the 4th of July uh, saying this group of people's not free and America's this and that and the other. It's like, dude, my freedom was purchased at Calvary. I am free. I'm not free because of, of emancipation proclamation. I'm not free because somebody thinks that I, I'm free because of he who the Son has made free is free. And I don't let you or anybody else take that away from me. I'm a citizen of this country, and I'm proud of that. Okay? So all this, this people ain't free, this one. You're not speaking for me. I speak for me. And I also speak for him. If I say, I call myself a Christian, or whatever you call yourself, I say that I'm born from above and I belong, but you know, my people were still oppressed. You are not, you know not what kingdom you're from. You don't know what spirit you're of because you cannot perpetuate the lies of the adversary and still claim to be a part of the kingdom of God. It's not possible to do. People try to do it every single day and they're utterly failing because the separation, again, of color, of, of gender, of this, of that, of the other, None of that. If God did not, he said, but he said, separate yourself from this. He said, separate yourself from the gods that they serve. 
Every single time God said, do not have anything to do with these people because you are weak of your own character. You hang out with them too long. You won't be following every wind of doctrine just like they do. It was not a bigoted thing. He's saying, I know my people and I know y'all are not capable. Okay, you're not capable of resisting it yet because you don't walk in the knowledge of the son of God. And until you walk in the knowledge of what a mature son is, you're going to act like a baby. And that's all I can say for tonight. Okay? So does that help? Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes, it does. We got God. We got God. Everybody, we got God. Okay. I want to say thank you. We have a lot more to say on this topic. We have things because the objective, the objective is not to find fault with you. The objective is not to blame you. And definitely the objective is not to shame you. But our objective in the things that we're talking about tonight and that we talk about on Sundays and, and Apostle Baker talks about on Tuesdays is to equip you for the work of ministry, for the freedom, for the prosperity, for the power of the kingdom to come through you. And we want to be able to help you as much as we can. And so we pray for you. I release this word over, over um, those that are experiencing nightmares when you sleep. Yes, I just switched over, but I, I need to do this. I release the power in the name of Jesus. I release the power of the blood of Jesus to go into the wounded areas of the soul. To go into the places where there is still a possibility that a lie could be the truth. And I call for the blood of Jesus to heal and to deliver Heal and deliver. Heal and deliver. Insecurities about ministry, insecurities about marriage, insecurities about physical health, insecurities about prosperity, insecurities about any aspect of your life. I speak this over my brother that is in the hospital. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we come against and we call for the shield of faith to be, ins to be your insulation and your peace and your protection in your sleep. That the, any of the effects of medication that have been working in your blood, we call for a detoxification of your blood right now in the name of Jesus. We call for there to be a clear transfusion of the blood of Yeshua and the DNA of Jesus. And that you will dream the dreams that God gives. That there are angels on assignment over your sleep as soon as this stuff tries to enter in. That the sword of the spirit is raised on your behalf and those things are slashed out and pulled out. In the name of Jesus, we come against that which has come against you and we say that now is your time of healing and recovery every excess pressure of water every uh, thing where blood is not flowing properly any and all things that have been because of anything that has come against your health your wholeness and your recovery we call for the transfusion of life in Christ Jesus to work on your behalf and say that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the effects and the works of the law of sin and death and this day resurrection power works in your sleep works when you're awake works in your blood works in your liver works in your kidneys works in your body in every place and declare and decree you to be every whit whole in the name of Jesus and for any and every other person that may be experiencing anything of the same kind be it unto you according to the power of life that we release the life of God into you and we cause for the destruction of the works of the devil in your life in the name of Jesus and we thank you for that father no more bitterness no more of the sin of iniquity no more of these things to be dominant in your life 
And so again, to answer, go back to your question, Chris, again, you go to him in the peacetime and you say, search me, O God. This is scriptural. David said, if there be, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. He's not talking about you being a naughty child. He's saying, what of Satan? What of the things of the world do I still carry thinking that it's just being myself? Where am I carrying a false identity? Because it's time for us to uproot this stuff and get it out. Because I refuse to walk in, in, in vengeance or against others. I refuse to want to be one that wants to commit violence and to cause disunity in the body of Yeshua. And it's like, yeah, but the people I'm upset with aren't in the body. But you are and you're causing a disruption in our house. And we don't want that. Not witchcraft, not sorcery, not divination, not disobedience, not rebellion, not stubbornness, not judgments, not criticism, not any of those things. If the name is, if it can't be signed and endorsed by the blood of Jesus, then you need to let it go. And having said that, I need to let you go. So I want to say thank you again so much. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee. Those that are part of this house, we're receiving the tithes, the offerings, and so forth. That information should be up to let you know that if you want to sow into this, we'll also have it on the website. It's usually under the comments so that you can sow into this. We speak that the prosperity of God, the growth that he has for you will begin to manifest in your life. I want to thank you again for joining us. I invite you, you to be with us on Sunday at roughly 1045 a.m. for Biblical Solutions for Life. And then next Tuesday when Really Telling It Like It Is program is coming back. And I'll see you on Wednesday. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee of Astounding Love, a global church fellowship here in San Jose, California. And we're going to say good night and thank you.